Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Brett Rosenthal. We do this every week. It's the Week in Review. Thank you for joining me, all of you who do. Um, this is about stock market investing. It's about 30 years of experience doing this, condensed into a basic, simple philosophy of how to run money. The Armor Investing Way three-stage process. We build our whiteboard. That's fundamental research. We use algorithms to execute. We use stop losses to tie it all together. Everything else out there is just noise that's trying to get you off the bus. So what we're going to do today is we're going to break this conversation down into a few parts. We're going to start with the discussion of how to use spot gamma information to make money. I'm going to walk you through last week how we use spot gamma information to trade the indexes. Okay? Then we're going to jump onto the cannabis couch, something we haven't done in a while um, and it's going to be lots of fun because of what these stocks are doing in the last two weeks. I'm going to walk you through what our top picks are there. Then we're going to move over to the precious metal space. You know this has been building and brewing for the Armour Report for the last month probably. We've been building our positions on, and we're starting to get liftoff. I'm going to walk you through how we're taking advantage of this, what we're doing next week, and, and, uh, and of course, what our top picks are there. Then we'll break it down into a real quick discussion of, you know, top investment ideas that we're looking at, things that we call top shelf ideas. What I like to do during the week with Armor Insiders is cover earnings conference calls, all right, and then share the information that we're gathering from those conversations with management with Armor Insiders. I'm going to share with you a couple highlights of what we really liked last week that we heard and what it means for us you know, going forward, how we're going to build portfolios. And then, of course, we'll get to Q&A, which is um, one of my favorite parts of this Saturday discussion, because you guys bring so many great ideas to the table. So um, don't forget, I'm sharing with you information about how I run my own personal capital. All right? So you've got to make your own decisions on whether or not the investment's right for you. Do your own due diligence, look at your risk tolerance, all those things before you ever buy any stock no matter who you're listening to, right? I think that's something we all should know and understand by now, but we say it at the start of every one of these videos. Don't forget, if you'd like to be a part of the Armor crew, right down here you can subscribe, become an Armor insider, and join us in the Slack room during the trading session all day. We have live feeds during the day, so we're sharing our screen, showing you guys how we're trading, how we're taking spot gamma information and making money with it. We do it every day. And we're sharing that. So if you want to be part of it right here, you can subscribe, of course, and subscribe to this YouTube uh, channel as well. Up here, don't forget, if you want to have a free Armor um, uh, subscription where we send emails uh, really almost every day uh, with highlights of what we're doing, right up here, you click on that button, you can request a free uh, email. It's all for you. Um, if you'd like to, if you want to help me out, tell you what, hit that like button. The reason you want to hit that like button real quick. The faster we grow the armor community, the better we get at this. I like to say that we're all really armor analysts. In the Slack room, we got a lot of armor insiders that cover um, different areas of the market really well, and we all come together and share that information. So let's try to build our community, and hitting the like button is one way to help me do that. All right, so let's jump right in. Step one, let's look at the stock market and what we're thinking. So we know we start with the risk monitor every week. 
risk monitor went green right here. For those of you who are new, the risk monitor is simply eight algorithms that we've designed at the Armour Report to help us track the, 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 or actually seven, the top seven indexes that we use for big picture risk on risk off decisions. Okay. So that portfolio uh, or, or that portfolio of, of algorithms, whenever you see on the chart, like you see right here on the S&P, this green bar right here, that's when we went risk monitor green. Okay. So we were risk monitor red right up here sold off, made a bottom, we put capital to work. So we have an index only portfolio and that portfolio goes 100% invested into those seven indexes using algorithms. And then when we go back to risk monitor red, they book profit. So it's a swing trading algorithmic strategy using the indexes, okay? So right now we're still risk monitor green. We had a couple of down days in the market, which means nothing. I mean, the market can't go straight up. So had a couple of down days and ended the week real strong. I want to share with you now how we trade um, the S&P and the NASDAQ using spot gamma information. And we look for these trades every day. So what you're looking at now is a three-minute chart of the SPY, S&P. Okay, so let me lay it out for you, chapter and verse here. We get up in the morning. We read spot gamma's report. We take the spot gamma um, uh, um, key gamma locations, and we overlay them on top of the Armour Report algorithmic, what we call the Armour Price Movement Profile uh, Profiler, the Armour Algo that helps us day trade. So that's what you're looking at now, okay? So the purple lines are, are all of the gamma locations as we come in each morning and we change these lines, these purple dashes, right? So I just want to show, show you two days in particular. So we look every day for opportunities. Here's Thursday's opportunity. You see very tight trading back and forth between the key gamma locations right here, bouncing back and forth. All right, now I'm not gonna get into a discussion of each different type of gamma location. That's for another day, all right? But for the sake of this discussion real quick, I wanna show you how we use spot gamma information every day to set up these long opportunities and capture alpha. And anyone can do this. If you use the spot gamma information and you have a trigger that works, you put the two things together, you make money. Spot gamma provides those key locations. You have to provide your own trigger. At the Armour Report, I provide my trigger and I share it with Armour subscribers, right? So here it is. So we put some trades on in here and nothing happened on Thursday that made us any money. This was right around a break-even trade. I think net-net, we were down a tiny amount on Thursday. Okay, so we put some positions on using our triggers. You can see right here is a yellow, these two yellow bars in here are sometimes our triggers. And what we'll do is we'll add more to the position, which we did right in here. Okay, and then it pops up a little bit. We shave the position down at the first targeted exit, right? And then as it pulls back, we might build the position again between um, the gamma locations. But what we're really looking for is the Friday action. And the reason I show you Thursday is I want to keep it real, right? Not every day is there an opportunity to make money with this information. Not every day. Some days the markets aren't volatile. They don't move. They stay within tight ranges, okay? And depending on how you trade, not a lot of action that day, not going to make a lot of money. The object, the way I like to day trade, I don't try to trade for quarters and nickels and dimes. I'm trying to capture big moves, 
right? And so the object is to keep losses small or ideally you have a break-even day where just nothing really happens, but you don't lose money. Okay, no big deal. And you do that every day so you can capture the big upside. So if your down days are break-even to, to tiny plus or minuses and your up days are days like Friday, obviously net-net over a long period of time, net worth goes up. So look what happened on Friday. I mean, this is what we were waiting for. And we got the same location set up. So when we get a double bottom, this is what we did on Friday, double bottom, right at the key location. And obviously, look, guys, you have to be flexible. You can't say to yourself, well, it, it didn't actually touch the purple dashed line. This, this is a, a little bit of an art, not a science. So the, all the other lines you see here on the uh, Armour PMP, are drawn out by the algorithm. So this red line right here is the opening range low. So when the opening range low and the spot gamma line are in close proximity, we're looking for double bottoms anywhere around these locations right here. So as you can see, on Friday, it was actually the Armour PMP that ended up being the key location, which was the opening range low, okay, which was a little bit above spot gamma. But that's fine. It's the same thing. And what we do here is when we we, what we do is we capture the move back above the VWAP, which is the volume weighted average price, and that's what the black dots are. Okay, so we have Fibonacci extensions above and below the opening range. We have a volume weighted average price with three standard deviations above and below, and we have average true range lines above and below, average true range low, average true range high. Okay, we use these lines for our targets and our entry points. So we put our trade on right here as we have a double bottom at the key location. We pick it off as it comes above VWAP. Our first target is this blue line right here, which is the average true range high of the day. Now, for those of you trying to replicate what I'm doing, and I welcome you to try to do that, okay? I'm, I'm here to help you if you want to try to do that. Um, but I will tell you that all of these lines, I call them armor ATR. And it's because we take off-the-shelf average true range calculations and infuse them with a volatility component, both, both top day and multi-day. So it's going to change the lines. It's going to be hard for you to exactly mimic what we're doing. But certainly at the very least, knowing what the average true range high and low is, is incredibly helpful. And so as you can see on Friday, we get right up to the ATR. And we're booking 50% of our gains right here. So we capture this move from here to here. And the way we do it is we own the triple uh, index ETF. So we don't buy SPY, we buy SPXL, which gives us three times the performance. Okay, so um, we're going to put positions on in our portfolio, and I'm going to show you the triple Qs in a minute, where we capture roughly 100% of the market volatility using these assets. So when we come into the day, we're carrying about 30% cash in our portfolio. And that cash is earmarked to capture this alpha every day. And we split that cash into two positions, S&P and the NASDAQ. And so you can see, and that's just a, a guide. I mean, it doesn't have to be 30%. could be 50% in some portfolios. So we have ma you know, massive outperformance, right? So we're putting half of our capital to work, and it's triple the performance you get an idea of the performance we're going to capture on a day like yesterday. All right, so it all depends on how an account is set up. You've got to make all those choices yourselves, obviously. Okay, this is just what I do. So 
um, we capture that profit here. We always book a profit right at the ATR high of the day, and you can see it really just kind of trades around that area all day until that last run into the close. So what we do is we have a, you know, we usually book half of our gains right around the ATR, depending on the ATR location, and then we try to ride the rest as long as we can. So let's, um, real quick, so we can move on to the cannabis couch. Let's just take a quick peek, just so I can show you how this works again on uh, the NASDAQ 100. And I'm just going to share this with you every week so you guys can see how this works. It's just, it's so much fun. I just want to share it with you guys. I just have so much fun doing this. It's like, once you start doing it, it feels like you're literally looking through the matrix. Like you're looking at the screen and you can just see it. You see the setups, put the capital to work. Your, your stops are tight. So the days you lose money are small or you're break-even trading. And the days you capture the upside, you have massive alpha. You, you infuse into the portfolio. And what I love the most is at the end of the day, I'm cash. I go to sleep at night, going to the weekend, I got cash. If anything happens in the world, we all know the market's stretched. Great. I got cash every single night. So um, it, it really suits my personality. But you can see we did it again right here on the NASDAQ. And so what happened here is the market gapped up and sold off right to a key gamma location. And again, the armor opening range low was right above the gamma location. And that's where it stopped. So the armor PMP, um, that really was the, the low of the day. But the trigger for us is a close back above the VWAP. And in this case, it was a no-brainer because, as you can see, the market went back above VWAP and the next spot gamma location. So when we get a VWAP that equals a spot gamma location and we go above it, that is a trigger that we love to trade. It's a powerful trigger. And your stop on this trade could be either the low of the bar that goes above the gamma location, which would be this bar right here, right? Or you could take the, just the low of the day, and you can use a little bit wider of a stop if you want. But you're putting your max position size on in here, and you're getting this rip higher that lasts all day, right? And as we go up and through the um, ATR, you say to me, well, it went above the ATR. I don't care. The average true range, statistically speaking, on an index the average true range will be the place where it stops on most days. So it's like a huge statistical significance. So I'm always booking some profits there. And the way I do it is I don't just book 50% of my gain at that price. I book some. I see how it's trading. If it pops higher, I book some more. Okay, so what we ended up doing here is taking some off when it hit the price, and then it just took off and ran, and we ended up taking more off in here, right? And then we just held half the position almost to the to the close, we ended up exiting right in here, okay? So moving along, that's how we use spot gamma information to trade the indexes and make money, all right? And we're doing it every day. If you want to be a part of that, consider joining us. You can subscribe. Let's move on to the cannabis couch, okay? So real quick, real quick week, uh, a recap, right? The market's in an uptrend and... Um, all the indexes look like they're moving higher. Just, just you know, you, you get that one day of selling last week. You get some weakness after a big run in the momentum stocks. But everything looks like it wants to move higher. And, you know, small caps, I'm going to end on looking at that chart because that's a massive base breakout for small caps. And the reason I highlight that is that, let's be honest, at the end of the day, 
cannabis stocks are small caps. They, the U.S. cannabis names trade on the Canadian Stock Exchange. It doesn't get more small cap than that. And so I wanted to end on that index and segue into the cannabis couch because it's very important to me. And I, I want to share this with you. If you go back and watch how these things trade, when you go through a period where small caps are underperforming, these cannabis stocks have a hard time going up. And in fact, they go down aggressively. Just look at the small cap chart. So all the way through this year, the, the small caps have underperformed the big indexes, right? And while that's been happening, now we can go look at MSOS, you're getting this going on in the, uh, uh, the, the U.S. cannabis stocks, okay? And I can show you a chart like that on small cap biotechs, you know, on, on, on all kinds of small cap things. There's been, if small caps suffer or underperform, these stocks underperform. So I show you this chart here because it's incredibly important. I know no one really talks about this. When we go to the cannabis couch, we just like to talk about weed. But what I'm telling you is this move higher in small caps is, is the um, cornerstone. It's the backbone. It's the, it's the springboard, if you will, that's going to help the cannabis names take off if that chart pattern you're looking at right here uh, uh, continues to go into the end of the year. Okay, it's going to be a, a, a market that is conducive to cannabis names going higher. So now let's go over and, and take a look at um, cannabis names. You all have been following me for a long time. You know I'm a huge cannabis fan. I, I think it's without a doubt, one of the greatest investment opportunities in my life. But with any idea, you're going to go through cycles. Just because assets go down for a while doesn't mean you're wrong about the fundamentals. It just means you're wrong about the timing. This is why, and, and I, you know, the cannabis stocks are an absolute um, perfect example of how the armor investing way works. The armor investing way is about building our whiteboard first. On our whiteboard are a whole bunch of, of cannabis names because there's a theme that we think has value and we think that's being mispriced, obviously because of the legality, because of uh, um, institutions like J.P. Morgan not allowing people to own them. So what you're getting is quality fundamentals that are only getting better and price that can't reflect it. So I think we all know that or anybody watching this conversation, I, I'm sure you all know this. There's going to be a time, and I don't know how it's going to play out, none of us do, but we're going to get a series of uh, events that are going to unleash a floodgate of investing capital into a group that's undercapitalized, that's small cap, right? So you're going to get massive amounts of liquidity coming into a tiny space. The only thing that can happen there is price discovery to the upside. And it's going to be phenomenal. That's the story. So the Armour Investing Way is about understanding a story and putting it on the whiteboard. Now, this is where we differ from other investors. Okay? Just because it's on our whiteboard doesn't mean we own it in our portfolio. That's where algorithms come in and stop losses come in. Okay, so 
And I, I can't impress upon you enough how important this is when it comes to managing capital and managing risk. You've got to manage risk in your portfolio so you can live to fight another day and so you can take advantage of upside. And so your net worth can grow even at a time where a theme on your whiteboard is suffering. There's no reason to have your portfolio drop 50% just because you love a group. You loving a group and I, I love a group doesn't mean the group has to go up. You've got to protect yourself from yourself. Stop losses do that. Algorithms do that. Okay? And that's the armor investing way. So um, we started taking our position right in here on MSOS. We enjoyed this entire run up here. We exited our position right in here. This is using simply stop losses and algorithms, right? Then periodically we've tried an investment, right? We put some money to work right here. It popped up. We actually booked a profit right there. We made some money on that trade, which is amazing, right? Then it comes in here. We put a position on here. It rolled over, stopped out right around break even on that trade, right? Because we always put a trade on, have our stop. It moves higher. We move our stop to break even. It comes back. We're out, right? And we wait for the next setup. We tried it again here. We lost a little money on that as it went below our stop, right? We get back to cash. We wait. All right, now, huge move that Friday, massive volume, gap up the following Monday. That was the next entry point. Now, we waited for the gap to close, which it did right here on Wednesday, all right? And we started putting capital to work. So we were putting capital to work on the weakness after the initial run on volume, and we finished off our position really yesterday morning, Friday morning, uh, into the run here, into the close. So now we are 100% of our, of our uh, uh, exposure that we want is invested in cannabis now. So we go from 100% cash because it's just not right. The theme's not right. It, we love the theme, but the timing's not right. We get the risk on entry point. We put our positions on with stops. We increase position sizes until we get to the point that we want. Now we're done. We're going to let the thing fly and see what, you know, how high we can go. All right, pun intended. All right. I'm not going to wax poetic about all the things that might happen to drive this sector higher. There are many guys that are part of the MSO gang that are probably better at it than me to explain the fundamentals of what may happen. So we all know that part of the reason these stocks are up is that there's a Republican representative who's bringing a, a decriminalization bill to the floor, all right? I think we all also know that that's never going to get passed, okay? Not the way it's set up. If it does fly through Congress and get passed, then we're just going to make an unreal fortune, and I don't need to talk about that, all right? You don't need me for that. Hopefully it does, but from a reality standpoint, a freshman Republican bringing a decriminalization bill probably is not going to go anywhere, although it's exciting. And maybe it helps move the ball down the field with other legislation. I don't know. Trying to figure out politics and investing because of it is the wrong way to put money to work in this group. What you want to do in a group like this is buy weakness and sell into strength and trade around a core. That's for future conversations, because I'm not selling anything right now. I think there's a lot higher these stocks are going to go. But when we get to that point, 
and everybody's excited about it, and everyone's talking about how there's about to be legislation passed. You better believe I'll be on here chatting with you guys saying, okay, let's take some cream off the top. But that's for a future conversation. What I wanted to share, where the edge I want to try to share with you guys right now um, is, and this is going to segue into our discussion about uh, precious metals. At the end of every year, November, December of every year, one of my favorite things to do is look to identify my favorite themes on the whiteboard that have suffered during the year and then pick them off into the end of the year when tax loss selling is over. What happens in the tax loss selling is that they get overly depressed for reasons that have nothing to do with fundamentals but simply because people are puking out their positions and taking their losses. Let's be honest. It's been a big year in other areas of the market, so people have gains. And so they're going to just totally puke out the stocks that have underperformed at the end of the year. The key to tax loss selling is you don't know when it's over. So this is what we look for, higher lows and higher highs, telling us that the, that the overwhelming amount of tax loss selling is done. The key is not to chase the names. Okay, because there could still be a whole nother batch of selling that comes in, driving them back down. Could happen next week. Okay, there's a lot of overhead in this whole group. The group broke the downtrend. The group found support right at the key level. Look at where it found support and reversed. So basically, everybody who had a profit is out of the stock. Probably the tax laws are just bottomed right in there, right, and it reverses. We've broken the downtrend. We've now made higher highs. For the first time in months, this thing is making higher highs. Okay? And ideally what we want to see is a consolidation pattern, or when we get sell-offs, we want to see higher lows. Like last week, it had this big run-up, a couple down days, now it made a higher low at the next support level, right in here. Right? Bounced off, went to the third support level. Now this is a resistance level, right? So I thoroughly expect this to be a place where MSOS takes a break next week. But let's go drill down and look at a couple of chart patterns of what's behind the MSOS uh, um, uh, chart pattern in general. Right, Green Thumb. Green Thumb had a great week after the earnings number and blew out. I also want to say, guys, that how much tax loss selling can there really be in this space? Right? I mean, how many guys really own it? There's a whole bunch of people that can't even own these stocks. So to wait till the late December for your tax loss selling, which may happen in normal situations when you have a lot of exposure, in this situation, it could be over already. I, I'm willing to say to you right now, I think it's done. I don't think these stocks see another low this year. They could, they could sell off you know, for any reason, but I think higher lows are about to start setting up in this group. Okay. Um, how about... Uh, how about our old favorite, Truly? Look at that bottom. Double bottom setup, breaking the downtrend, breaking out, going to have earnings announcements next week. Now, I'm going to share with you um, just a couple of charts here. They're at the top of you know, my list of cannabis stocks I want to own. So we already own MSOS. All right? I'm going to have a piece of MJ on because that looks like a no-brainer bottom. And when, I know a lot of you guys are part of the MSO gang and, and some of you get angry when I, when I mention Canadian cannabis stocks, but I just want you to understand why I do it. It's not a question of one better than the other. It's a question of one 
that allows massive liquidity to come into a space and one that doesn't. So if the perception of cannabis is turning and you start to get a flow of capital into the cannabis space, there are a lot of people, JP Morgan accounts, right? Merrill Lynch accounts, right? They can't buy the U.S. cannabis names. They can go buy MJ. They can go buy Kronos, CGC, Telray, Sundial up 30% on earnings. Okay? So the, the ideas I'll swing trade are going to be the Canadian names. The ideas I want to invest in long term are going to be U.S. names. Okay? But I'm definitely not going to ignore this space when the chart pattern looks this good. I'm going to make money on both sectors. So what we had is a complete unwind right back to the support before the major breakout, right? A bottom that's set up over two months now, and now we're getting higher highs and higher lows. Okay? And we're breaking above the 50-day moving average. This is like a no-brainer setup to me. No-brainer. Tell Ray. Okay? CGC. These are my favorite names at the top of my list. Look at that. Terrible earnings announcement. Reverse and go higher off of a terrible earnings number. These stocks are done going down, and the time to be long is now, and that's why we build up the positions. These are my two favorite, you ready for this? My two favorite ways to play the U.S. cannabis market coming at you right now. I was on conference calls last week and sharing this information with our insiders last week as we were listening to the calls, talking about what's happening. These are my two favorite U.S. cannabis names. You might remember a couple weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, on this show and on Twitter, if you're following me on Twitter, at Brett Rosenthal, I threw down the gauntlet and I said my single favorite way to make money on the U.S. cannabis market going forward is going to be this stock, you know, unless I own MSOS, which is all of the stocks. So I'm talking about individual names now, okay? AGFY. AGFY, AgriFi, is one of my favorite stocks to own. The reason, and after listening to that conference call, the reason I really love the space is that AgriFi, and I'm going to share with you another name in a second that's just like AgriFi, just a little bit different. First of all, listen to the conference call. They can't handle the amount of business that's coming in. They can't handle it. They're making acquisitions. They're rolling up different businesses to, make, you know, to, to complete their structure, and they can't keep up with the business coming in. Just listen to the conference call. This company is, is selling like the picks and the axes to the gold miners of cannabis. The, the way to understand this business is that they, and I'm going to put it in a nutshell for you, one sentence, maybe, maybe a small paragraph. <laughs> All right. This company has intellectual property and, and uses artificial intelligence and all this stuff to help cannabis companies increase yield at lower costs with uniformity of end product. Now, this is incredibly important going forward. I mean, right now, you know, every six months you have a grow, and the grow can be a little bit different each time you do the grow, and maybe stoners don't really care about it, okay? But when you move into a mainstream area, medical marijuana, these types of things, where people want the same response to their cannabis um, uh, consumption every time, it's important that each grow ends up with the same result, right? 
And if you could do it at lower costs and improve the yields, that's the, that's the panacea for the MSOs. They use companies like Agrify to do that. Okay? I think it's a huge stock. It's very volatile. It can be very thin. All right? It's not for the faint of heart. All of these ideas I share with you, I own personally. You have to make your own risk tolerance decisions on it. Okay? All these positions I own, I have stop losses. If it reverses on me, I get out. If you're not a subscriber, you don't know that, right? But maybe you subscribe to this YouTube channel, and we talk about it once a week. You can ask me a question. But during the trading week, Armor Insiders know I share with them as it's happening. Hey, this just hit the stop. I'm out. goes back to my whiteboard, right? I wait for the next entry point. So let me just say that as a caveat. But when I look at this business model and I see what they're doing, this is one of my favorite ways to play U.S. cannabis going forward. Now I want to think a longtime Twitter friend watches this YouTube channel. Maybe he's on here right now. DJ, I'm so glad that you sent me that uh, uh, tweet about Ugro because I'd totally forgotten about Ugro. It's such a thin stock. It's so off the radar. I was like, forget it. I don't want to own Ugro. I met with the management team when they first came. You know, um, they uplisted. Okay, and so I was on a conference call with uh, other institutions talking about being part of that uplisting. And, um, and I avoided the stock at the beginning. I just, I like the management team. They're ex Cargill guys. They're real smart, but you know, it wasn't my kind of business model and it was too thin. I stayed away, but thanks to DJ. He's like, what do you think of this name? You don't forget if you like Agrify, check, check this out. I was on the conference call of earnings last week. This, this, I think this stock is a no brainer. Right, we picked the stock up right around the 200-day moving average as it broke out above the 200-day. All right? Ugro and Agrify are doing basically the same thing, but maybe a little bit you know, different how they execute. My favorite comment on the Ugro call was his, his um, enthusiasm for the growth that's going on in Europe and how it's like open-ended. I mean, just blue sky opportunity for them. You got to listen to these conference calls, guys. They're, they're laying out for you in these calls what's happening. And it's, it's like explosive in their businesses. So I'll, I'll wrap it up there. These are two great ideas, small cap, volatile. Make sure you use your stops. Make sure you do due diligence. But these are two of my favorite ways to play cannabis going forward. Now let's move on real quick. I'm past 30 minutes. I always try to do it quicker, but there's just so much to talk about. Um, let's move over to... GDX, okay? I want to just touch on gold and silver real quick before I get to your questions. First of all, um, gold, silver, precious metals, cannabis, they're all on the whiteboard as themes we want to own. They've been beaten up for the last, really since February. And we love to buy those type of themes coming off of double bottom lows into the end of the year when tax loss selling's over. It just creates an opportunity for us. Right. And so we've been building these positions in here and you can see why. All right. There was the double bottom. A few weeks ago, we were putting positions on right here in gold. GDX rallied, pulled back. We added the positions in here. I talked about it the last couple of weeks. Now we've got the breakout above key resistance areas. Right. What we added last week are the are the uh, small cap miners. All right, so when I saw this announcement on PVG, PVG was being taken over, all right, so this is one of our favorite small cap names, and the stock gapped up on a takeover. 
All right. When that happened last week, it told us that the dinner bell is ringing on consolidation in the industry. And so while we owned GDX, I wanted to make sure we own the small cap names, which are going to be acquired. Right. And so we've been taking a methodical approach to precious metals, putting a piece on at a time over the last month. And we're leaning into our success. Right. As long as we keep getting paid in here, we want to finish off that position, which we did last week by owning and adding um, JNUG to the portfolio, which is really, I mean, there's no point in looking at this chart pattern because really what, what JNUG is just, um, whoops, is a, a, a double of a GDXJ. So the twice the performance of GDXJ we added to the portfolio, but let's look at that pattern because GDXJ is the real pattern, right? And we picked it off as it went above the 200-day moving average. And that goes right next to our SILJ position which we bought right in here, okay? And it's extending above the 200-day. So some of you asked me um, on Twitter, on StockTwits, about, you know, different names, NG or NGD or, or, or any of these names. If My favorite way to play this theme is to buy the index ETFs, right? That's what I want to do. And I'm, I'm willing to buy twice the performance of, it, of an ETF index um, to, get, to get the upside of an individual stock, but I don't want the risk of the individual names in this market. That's just how I am. But obviously, if I'm buying all those ETFs, it means that the window's open for your favorite ideas. If the chart pattern's right, and it's an idea you love, don't let me stop you. It's just, for my money, I'd rather focus on the ETFs and on double the ETFs if I want more, a more aggressive position, but I don't want single stock risk. And one reason for that, um, I don't know if this is, see, here's Fortuna Silver, okay? This is what I don't want to happen to my portfolio as the entire group's going up. What I don't want to happen to my portfolio is the stock that I end up buying get destroyed because they have a problem with a foreign government getting a permit re, um, um, or getting, getting their property re-permitted, Okay. I don't need that risk. That's what happened to FSM last week, right? Government of Mexico, they haven't put their paperwork in. Stock gets wrecked. The last thing I want to do is have a massive move higher in the metals, right, and lose money on a metal stock because they have some problem with the foreign government. That makes no sense to me. So I'm focusing my capital on the ETFs of the groups. I'll buy twice the performance to get massive upside without any risk of a FSM ending up in my portfolio. That's, that's my opinion there. If you force me to say, what's a great looking, you know, individual stock, I'm going to go with Hecla Mining right here. Okay. Hecla Mining is a U.S. company, a Canadian company. I'm pretty sure they're not going to have poor permitting problems. All right. It's making a nice bottom, just closed above the 200-day moving average. And Hecla's got a lot of um, other metals along with silver in their uh, in their mining, you know, structure. And so when I look at the basic material ETF, which we own in our portfolio, and I see that breakout in a lot of this is steel stocks, right? So um, iron ore companies, I mean, Hecla is just a real interesting idea to me. So I would own some Hecla on a base breakout like that on the metals and mining stocks. All right. Now I'm going to get to your Q&A. So we're fully invested. We have our full exposure to precious metals. You know we've been building it for over the month. 
and we're getting paid on it now. We finished it off with smaller cap investments last week. We have our full exposure to cannabis now when we really finished off last week, and you know we've been looking for that entry point over the last couple of weeks. So I'm just going to rip through a couple names that are at the top of our list to either own or we might already own in our portfolio, just so you can see these chart patterns, and then I'll get to your Q&A. Here we go. So these are top shelf names. We are big into the metaverse. We think metaverse stocks are incredibly important going forward. Metaverse name, we are building a list of metaverse names and putting it on our whiteboard now as a theme. So we have cannabis, we have precious metals, we have metaverse, right? It it doesn't mean the metaverse, these stocks are going to go to the moon immediately, right? But we're going to be building a list and following that list closely because it's an incredibly, I, I think, Owning metaverse stocks now is like owning internet stocks in 1995, right? It didn't really take off until 1998, but there were some huge winners over those three years. And then, you know, the whole business matured. And of course, we, we know what that led to. So I, my first reaction to Facebook's changing its names to metaverse, I'll still stand behind that. I don't like when a company does that. And I think that Probably you're going to see some negative earnings announcements out of Facebook over the next couple of quarters. And they're going to ask institutions, they're going to ask you to forgive them because they're spending on the metaverse. Okay. And I'm not sure the stock is going to perform well. I, I, I'm probably not going to want to hold Facebook into the earnings number. But long term, if Facebook can execute on their strategy, it's probably a, a huge stock again. Huge. And, and, and so, You've got to be nimble and you can't have an ego in this business. You have to recognize, you know, um, when you may be wrong, you've got to accept that. You've got to keep doing your homework. Keep challenging your opinion and be happy to change it. And so when I look at this chart pattern, this is Roblox right here, but when I look at um, Facebook, all right, that looks like a no-brainer buy right here on the 200-day moving average. I don't care what my opinion is, Zuckerberg or, or Metaverse or anything. That just looks like a no-brainer entry point with an obvious stop below the 200-day. Okay, so that's a no-brainer entry point on the Metaverse name. We added shares of Roblox after the earnings announcement. We talked about it on our desk before the news. I know some Armour insiders bought it right in here before the earnings announcement. Well done, right? Um, and what we did was we picked off Roblox right here on Thursday. You can see that tight pennant formation using the Armour PMP right here at around 95 and change. The key gamma location was 100. So a rally back to 100 was a no-brainer by the end of the week, and that's what happened. And we picked that off. But we're staying with this stock long-term because if you listen to this conference call, you're going to hear a juggernaut of a story. That's a sick story in Roblox. I don't have time to go over it now. It's 43 minutes I've been chatting. I want to get to your questions, but that's a sick story. You've got you to listen to that conference call. Um, Unity. Unity is just a runaway success. That conference call is unreal. These names are on the whiteboard. MTTR. Matterport. On the whiteboard. Research has to be done. Okay? Those are just a couple of the names that are on them. Either on our whiteboard, some of those are in our portfolio, some may not be, but those are all top shelf names, metaverse names that we have an interest uh, owning. And I'll just round it out with two semiconductor stocks. Micron broke out. Now, I mean, we've been chasing, we've been, we've been watching and waiting for Micron. You're going to notice 
these chart patterns are all similar. Precious metals breaking a long-term downtrend. You know, cannabis breaks the long-term downtrend. Micron breaking the long-term downtrend. And right next to Micron has to be Western Digital. They're in the same business, breaking the long-term downtrend. The same type of business, right? Okay? So breaking the downtrend, I say long-term, you know, going back in here into June, right? And it's breaking out of a beautiful cup and handle base. And usually Micron and, and, and uh, Western Digital usually go together. So when one's breaking out, the other's breaking out. All right. So those are my thoughts today. Those are the top of our whiteboard, the top shelf names, if you will. And I'll get to your questions now. Thanks for indulging me and giving me time there on a Saturday. So let's go through it. Um, Quail Hollow writes, great alpha week. Yeah, we did. We had a big alpha week. And I'm so glad to hear, Stephen, that your, your portfolio is at all-time highs. That's awesome. Hey, Deb, what's happening? All right, uh, thoughts on THPT? Well, um, I, don't, I don't have necessarily um, an opinion on charge point. Certainly, the, the, the chart pattern looks reasonable here. Um, the 200-day moving average would be my stop. I think that there is a lot of um, – let me just see something real quick. Okay. I think that there's a lot of overhype right now in the EV space, and it really concerns me. I think that that deal for RIVN, Rivian, right, is, is, is an unbelievable example of irrational exuberance to a level that I, I, you know, totally disturbs me. I write RIVN on my brick and I put it into my wall of worry. Okay. That's what that is. And so, I think people are way, way ahead of themselves thinking that the EV revolution is going to happen tomorrow. And in essence, when you read all the documents, I mean, we're talking about 2029. Things happening by 2030. You, 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 could, drive a truck, you could drive a super tanker through, you know, through that hole. I mean, what's going to happen between now and 2030? Who knows? Who knows? What, I mean, I just the whole thing's crazy to me. And so the reward to risk just doesn't make any sense to me. I'd rather invest in other areas where I have more confidence in, uh, in the business models. Um, I also, you know, not to, you know, knock California too much, but the, the charge point's all about California right now. And I just, California has completely screwed up the cannabis business. It's incredible. How can a governing body be so stupid? But they just, they just take the gold medal of stupidity in California constantly, and they've ruined a business as simple as cannabis. So I, I don't, I, you know, it makes me very uncomfortable when someone's business is completely focused, you know, on, on, on California. I just, so to me, it, it, just, it just doesn't work for me. But um, I, I hope I don't discourage you, and certainly the stock can go up. I can be totally wrong. Um, but for my money, at the end of the day, it's a question of, of reward to risk and um, opportunity cost of money. You know, there's just so many things I can buy, so where do I go? So here's um, Evgo, right? And now this operates 800 fast charging networks for electric electronic vehicles, 65 metropolitan areas across the, across the, um, um, the country. So here's, here's the chart pattern. I'm just reading to you the the definition, right? 
65 metropolitan areas across 34 states. So if you're going to force me to choose an EV charging company, I'd rather go with this name. I'd rather go with a company that's not focused on one sector of the country. That's my opinion. Um, but, of course, I don't know what to do with that chart pattern. That's like complete, a complete blowout last week. So I'd have to do some research on this name, and, and you know, maybe it's something worth doing. I, um, maybe I'll listen to a conference call or two next week, Deb. So I appreciate, I appreciate the ideas. I'm going to write them down and listen to some calls. And certainly, you know, we've been talking about ChargePoint on the trading desk last week, so maybe I'll do a little work there. Okay, KLR. All right, I'll write this one down. I can always count on you, Ray, for ideas I'm not looking at. And then Twillo, um, I didn't like that last earnings number, so I'm not sure I have an interest uh, in this name. Not only is it, you know, the earnings number is pretty lousy, but stock's breaking down from, you know, a major top and below major, you know, um, um, all the major moving averages are rolling over. So this, to me, is the wrong time to own this stock. LD, man, we made a killing in cannabis stocks last week, and it's lots of fun, and I think it's really just started. You know, I, I liked the show um, on my Twitter feed. You guys were, were looking at it. I put out um, a bunch of tweets at the end of the day Friday that were the weekly chart patterns. And they're just so compelling to me. Look at the weekly pattern of MSOS. Look at the weekly pattern of MJ. Look at that. It just started. Meeting, meeting bar reversal on a weekly level on, on the cannabis names. You know, I like to, to look at GDX on a weekly level, just breaking out. How about, we didn't even look at the metal itself. Look at gold. Holy smokes. Look at Sprott Physical Gold on a weekly level. It's just getting started. Boy, it's fun. GOEV. Okay. I'll take a look at it. I, you know, I don't... Staying far away from Riven. Oh, excellent. Excellent, Ares. It was fun, right? We're going we're gonna to hammer those index trades every single day they show up. Glad you enjoyed Oh, interesting. UK SPACs. Great. We'll do some research on that. Yeah, MRAM. Um, we've, been, we've been following this stock for a long time. Um, you know, this is a favorite of one of our Armour insiders, the Silver Fox, and he's been following this for a really long time. The bottom line here on MRAM, um, it's a really unique technology. You guys can do some research on it. It's been around for a while, and it's been looking for a killer application to, to, to um, make its dreams come true, if you will. And it looks like the EV space is that answer. But if you look at the balance sheet, the company really does not capitalize to the extent that they could take advantage of what's happening. So it's our belief, it's our theory, that this company will be taken over by somebody. Could be Micron. Could be Micron takes them over. Okay. Um, so there's a real great technology inside this company without a really good balance sheet. That's the situation in MRAM. So um, 
Yeah. Probably gets taken over. But that chart pattern looks really, really good. And the question is, you know, how do we want to play it going forward, you know, next week? There was the gap up and the rip higher all week last week on MRAM on Friday, on Friday. And so we'll just have to wait and see if there's any um, other setups that give us, you know, opportunities. We could probably date, we're probably going to day trade this idea um, on our, um, on our live trading desk. We'll be day trading this idea and looking for a, looking for an entry point. Thoughts on HITI. Oh, high tide. You know what? Let me take a look at that. I forgot about that one. I got to look at that again. Uh, that's, a, that's certainly a really good-looking chart pattern on HITI. I'm glad you brought that up. I got to do some work on that again. And um, I, like, um, I like Village Farm. I thought that earnings announcement was pretty good, and the double bottom looks like it's in. So I like Village Farm. CGC and Telray in Canada. Those are my th my three favorite names. But high tide, I'm going to look at. Thanks for reminding me about high tide. All right, we'll take a look at those facts. Hey, Stuart, how are you? What moving average are you using in your day trade? The yellow line. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Um, so let's go take a look. Um, so this line you're talking about right here is what I call the armor moving average. Um, so it's a little bit of a secret. But um, I look back X amount of bars and it can change. Um, so I call it a secret. And it's secret only because there's no set number there. It's going to change depending on top-day, multi-day volatility. Everything that's on the Armour PMP has a, a bit of volatility component into it and may change based on the type of asset I'm trading. Um, so, you know, could be 20 days ago, could be the 20-day moving average sometimes, but sometimes it'll, it'll change, you know. So it could be 1,200 bars on a three-minute chart is probably where it starts. I don't mind sharing it with you. 1,200 bars is where it starts, but sometimes it changes, and that's that's why I kind of wink when I say it's you know it's uh, it's a secret sauce because it might be 1,200 bars on one chart, but maybe a few hundred less or a few hundred more on another chart, depending on the type of asset. Um, NT. Why? Nintendo. Oh. All right. Well, stocks like this, what I'm looking for is really a bottoming effect that hasn't happened yet in Nintendo. I'm looking for higher lows and higher highs to show up. And then what I look to do is, you know, when the thing, what, what I really want to see this do really is break back higher. And I don't have to be on that first move higher. What I'll do is buy the pullback. Because when you get a lot of overhead like this, which is what's happened, it's broken down, that first spike higher will be met with resistance and selling. And so I don't need to be on the first jump. I need to buy the pullback. And so just to give you an idea of what I mean. So on MSOS, I didn't have to be on that gap up higher. I needed to buy it as it came down the next couple of days, which is what we were doing. Okay? 
that that that's what I'm looking for. So in, in Nintendo's case, um, and so this this way it stops me from catching a falling knife. To me, this is just a falling knife. Lower lows, lower highs. I it doesn't. There's no entry point here, right? And then if it makes a double bottom or it has a big run up and then comes and closes the gap, then I start taking a position. All right. Uh, Oh, um, whoops, what happened there? So, Robert, I don't know how to answer that question because I only day trade the SPXL. It's a day trade for me. I don't, I don't hold it overnight. I, the whole point of my day trading strategy and why I think it creates such interesting alpha for me is that I'm cash at the end of every day. I go to sleep at night, resting peacefully with a ton of cash in my portfolio, and then I take advantage of weakness the following morning to put the position on and capture the upside. So I don't. So what you're really asking me is, you're thinking of buying January out of the money calls because you think the market is going to levitate from here, which is I think what you're asking me. And my answer to you would be. You can do whatever you want. So I'm, I can't tell you how to run your portfolio or what risk you want to take. That seems like a lot of risk to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that kind of risk. But everybody does things differently. But if I was ever going to buy a January out-of-the-money call in the S&P, it would be the day we get risk on green. I, the day to get incredibly aggressive on the market is the day the armor report goes risk on green. Because that's when we have the highest probability that the market's going higher with the least amount of risk, which means we're close to the stop. You follow me? So when we get risk on green signals, statistically speaking, it means the market's going higher over the next X amount of days. Statistically speaking, the risk on green signals that fail usually fail within the first week. So if I'm buying out-of-the-money calls, there'll still be a lot of time value involved. I'll be able to get some money out. So once we've got the risk on green signal and it's already trading near the top of the channel, I, 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 don't, I don't know. You know. I don't know what to tell you. To me, you want to put on those type of trades at the bottom of the channel, and I would be taking those type of trades off at the top of the channel. And even if the market were to levitate from here, would it really go hyperbolic? I mean, you're betting on a hyperbolic move to get paid on that type of investment. I, I just I, I don't have anything for you at this point to help you make that decision. You're on your own there, brother. All right. Do you endorse Mervo? Well, it had a lousy quarter, didn't it? That last quarter was pretty lousy. And so, again, i got to just say to you, um, these are not the type of chart patterns that, that intrigue me. Let's just do a chart pattern check together. You've got lower lows, lower highs, lower lows, gap down with earnings, below the 200-day moving average, below the 50-day. The 50 has just crossed below the 200 all the indexes, the fifth, I mean, all the averages, the 200-day has rolled over and is headed down. That's the standard. The 200-day 
um, um, exponential has rolled over and is headed south. The 50-day exponential is headed south. Like every moving average is headed down. Now let's go look at a semiconductor stock with a different picture. The stock just went above the 50-day moving average, the 200-day moving average, still below the standard. But the standard and the 50, the standard, the 200, they're all starting to curl higher now. Right? You're making higher highs. So here's a couple of semiconductor names that are breaking above key moving averages, where the moving averages, they cross negative here, and now they're starting to curl higher. Those are the entry points I want. And when I look at QRVO, I don't see it. Uh, we're up to an hour here, so I've got to rip through some of this, and then we've got to probably move on. But I'm trying to get to your questions. RACE, Ferrari, Ferrari, Ford, all these great names are ripping higher, right, on the whole uh, – on. Uh, EV revolution, and, and people think that RIVN is worth the value. It's, it's crazy. By the time we get to the point where everybody's forced by this government to buy EVs, which is somewhere in 2030 or something, the, the, the market is going to be inundated with electronic vehicles between now and then, coming from every angle. Yeah, give me a few minutes. I'll call you back. Um. So I like this idea of race, but I can't pay for it up here. Um, yeah, you and MTTR. MTTR, Sean, I, I didn't love that earnings announcement. I think there's some, some, some issues with uh, the company right now, but it's on my whiteboard as a, as a stock to follow. Oops. What's MAPS? Is this, is this uh, weed technology? I forget. Is that the... Um, Weed maps. Yeah, it can, yeah. Yeah, see, th this is a good point you brought this up. I'm glad you did as to it. So this is another reason why I'm focused on buying MSOS and MJ. I mean, I want to get the group moved higher. I don't want to get stuck in the wrong name that's getting blown up. And whether it's precious metals or cannabis, I think that's incredibly important at this stage. Okay. Columbia Care looks good, and I know this is a company that I, I like. I think Columbia Care is, a, is, is one of the better names. I mean, the stock isn't showing us any signs of life here. I mean, there's no signs of life, with the exception of, I guess, the big volume move on Friday. But even then, I mean, it's just been such a nasty downtrend. I think, um, you know, Juicy is a bit of a, uh, a better-looking chart pattern, right? There's, they're really coming for that stock, and it broke the downtrend. But, you know, if this if this – reversal and move higher is going to unfold like I think it's going to unfold. They'll probably get to Columbia Care. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I listened to the conference call last week again, and I just, I just can't, I just can't do it. It's just not a name for me. Chart pattern looks great. Uh, the chart pattern looks great. Maybe you're wrong. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I mean, the chart pattern looks great. I should be buying overstock. It's just every time I listen to the conference call, 
listen to our management speak and, and, and pick up the phone and chat, I just, I just can't get comfortable with the idea. So I'll try it again. Maybe I should just stop doing that work and just look at the chart pattern because, you know, the chart pattern is there. You would be long the stock, stock right now with a stop of, you know, the, the Wednesday low would be my stop, 94 and a half. You know, my favorite way to play it, I guess I am long a little bit because I'm long this ETF. And I think they've got some overstock in that portfolio. So this is what I'm playing right now. I have a, my you know, fairly large position size on here. And that's how I get my coverage on those stocks. And then I don't have to worry about, you know, individual stock mistake. Yeah, I like your Archer Daniels Midland idea, particularly when you look at um, the breakout coming in commodities. Look at that. Agricultural commodities are breaking out. That's a sick base right there. I would buy DBA if it didn't have a K1 with it. It comes with a K1 and it's got a whole bunch of these things. So I, I'm not buying DBA, but that's a sick breakout in agricultural commodities and, and, and cattle. You know, it's, um, if that's coming, then and an Archer Daniels Midland's a winner, no doubt. Um, what's, what's the symbol on Leafy? Is, is, is that Weed Maps Leafy? I thought that was the same thing. Am I wrong? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, it's not, it's not a business model that intrigues me last time I looked, but I could be wrong. I'll, I'll take a look at it again. Hey, Raymond, glad you made some money on the nugget. Well done, brother. VUZI had earnings last week. You know what? Let me get. Let me. This is another name that's on our list. VUZI. Eras. This is uh, one of your favorites, and um, that's a nice-looking uh, pennant breakout. We got to get on that ASAP Monday morning. Thanks for that. Is to it. Uh, Eras. Don't let me forget that man. Let's let's take a look at that. Um, maybe we'll want to get aboard that chart pattern. That 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 looks really good right there. CFLT. I don't know it. I can't answer you. It looks like a high tight pennant. There's nothing I can help you with on that one. If you're on it, well done. Digital Ocean. I mean, these things are up huge. I'm Casey. I don't. I don't know how I can help you with those. If you're on them, you're killing it. Um, I don't have any fundamental thoughts for you on on either of those names. Oh yeah, Stillwater. Yeah, not a bad idea. Um, yeah, so um, it's headquartered in South Africa. And, you know, it's doing platinum mining and gold mining in South Africa. So I, I just make it a general rule because I live here in the U.S. and I invest here in the U.S. And, uh, and so it's easier for me to make this rule. But um, I do think it's important. I want to invest in companies where I can literally touch management. I can reach out and call. I can listen to conference calls and get comfortable with what I'm hearing. I want properties that are in um, countries where I feel the rule of law is going to hold up. That's the U.S. That's Canada. You know, 
That's Australia, you know, when it comes to mining operations. Other places around the world really concern me, and I think when the price of gold and silver skyrocket, I think that will give even more um, um, reasons for governments to decide not to renew permits, governments to nationalize. And so I just, from an opportunity cost of money, I'd rather not invest, you know, in South Africa. That's just how I am, you know, not to, not to offend anybody. It's just how it is. Great week. Oh, excellent, Cecil. Glad you joined as an Elmer Insider, and we've been having a certainly a, a good Discord. So glad to, to have you in the Slack room working with us. Now, I, I keep following this Lumen story. I, I like the Lumen story, Alexander. I really do. you got, you got to like the yield. Um, the management thinks that they're on to a real serious growth story, and they've got tons of dark fiber that's going to get lit as we get closer and closer to the metaverse. And I think that's partly, partly what the story is there. So they, they, they said on the conference call back here that they're not going to be servicing, uh, not going to be increasing the dividend. And they're going to start taking on debt to go after their growth opportunities. And I think it, it created a, mar a, a, you know, a lot of guys owned it for the dividend growth. And now they're not so sure. But that last earnings announcement was, I guess, better than expected. I didn't listen to the conference call. Maybe I should to see, um, to see what's cooking there because that, that chart looks really good. Full disclosure, I own the stock in my dividend portfolio just collecting yield. So I own the stock, but I own the stock a lot cheaper, probably somewhere in the $10 to $11 range. And I've just been carrying it this whole time and collecting the yield. So it's one of my yield stocks. In fact, these are two stocks I added last week to the dividend portfolio. Altria at an 8% yield right at the bottom of its channel. So I have a list and an armor portfolio I share with insiders of just dividend-only ideas. And what, if, if the company's got a cash flow that covers the dividend and a cash cow like Altria does, what I don't want to do is buy it up here where the yield is you know, um, stretched. I want, it to, I want it to get destroyed for whatever reasons, driven right back to the uptrend and collect an 8% yield. I'll put it in the account, right? So again, full disclosure, I own the stock somewhere in here. And I let it run up, and I let it come down, and I keep collecting my 8% yield. So when it gets back to 8%, I highlight it, put it on the spreadsheet. Same thing with IBM. I know a lot of people think, uh, whatever, I don't know what they think. But IBM has got a bit of a cash cow, and I think it's turning the business around slowly but surely. right? So every time they have an earnings announcement, it's never good enough for the street, and the stock gets killed right down into a base. And that's where I pick up the stock. You get like a 5.5% yield on IBM. You can trade it out if you want. No doubt the stock's going to rally up into the next earnings announcement. You know, that's usually what it does. Marvel. You guys want to keep doing this? I mean, there's a lot of, okay, we'll keep doing We'll keep going. We've been on for an hour and 11 minutes. Um, Marvel looks great. That's an animal of a stock, and I'm just not on it. So well done, Raymond. I don't, I don't see any, any entry point in the stock right here, but it certainly looks good. WDC with a question mark. Uh, I think we already covered that. It's just breaking out of a great base here, and it's following Micron. So those two stocks are going to go together, I think. Overstock management is a train wreck. I, that's the problem. Chris, that's what keeps me out of the stock. I totally agree with you. If, you, if, if we ever see an announcement that they've, that they've transitioned to a CEO that I can feel comfortable with, maybe I'd own the stock, you know? But it's also the structure of the businesses. They've broken it out, and they're doing this, and this is a, I just the whole thing. 
I just can't get comfortable. Oh, slang. That's a great question, Saber. This was a great uh, idea <coughs> to me a long time ago. Um, I always thought it was going to be a great idea. Wait, this might be a different stock than I'm thinking. Hang on a second. No, no, this is totally different. <laughs> this is, I thought this was a, a, a cannabis company. I'm thinking of a different name. Uh, LNG facilities. Oh, well, uh, I mean, the, the stock trades like 20,000 shares a day, and it's a $5 stock. I couldn't possibly help you, you know, with an idea like that. So, you know, micro mini caps, it's just really out of my purview. You know, I, I need a certain amount of liquidity to invest my personal capital in, an inv- in, in anything. I have to know that I, the stock will behave in a manner that I can model out with an algorithm, and I can't possibly do that with a stock that trades 20,000 shares of a $5 stock. I mean, that's like one, it's one institution that like hiccups and the stock gets crushed or skyrockets. I, I, I can't do it. So don't have any thoughts for you there. Um, oh, Leafy's the SPAC. Oh, okay. MCMJ. All right, let me let me do some work on that. MCMJ. I, I still, I, I, the last time I looked at Leafy, I thought I thought there was an overvaluation issue there, but I, I haven't looked at it in a while. So let me do some work and and get back to you next week. Um. Fire and Flower, Sundial, Organogram, these are all the second tier names that if we get a real move up in cannabis like we think, there's no doubt there's massive upside in these names. It's just, I, when I'm talking about these ideas, you know, I'm sharing with you what I do in my own personal portfolio. And I just have a more conservative bent to how I run money. The Armour Report's about managing risk and capturing upside. So to me, there's enough upside owning the ETFs, owning the bigger cannabis names, I'm going to make enough money and, and the liquidity and the risk to me is less. And so that's what I end up buying. But there's nothing wrong with these names if you're comfortable with them. I mean, Fire and Flower, any of those names, if we get the move back into cannabis, I think we're getting, those names probably do well. But I haven't looked at Fire and Flower's balance sheet, so I don't know if they're burning through their cash, if they're cash flow positive, what their cash position is. These are all things you have to look at before you can make an investment into um, the cannabis stocks. You know, after the winter uh, the we've been through in these cannabis names, you got to make sure that they're, um, you know, that they have the um, ability to uh, be an ongoing concern without having to come out with more shares and dilute shareholders. So, that, that's what I would say about that. First of all, there's nothing in that chart pattern that looks compelling, right? But um, so there's no higher low, higher high. It looks kind of ugly to me. And I wonder if it looks like that because they don't have the, the cash. I don't know. You know, what's their debt look like? You got to go look at those things before you make a, um, uh, an investment in these names. Uh, 
Is that true, Raven? Is that what they said they're going to do? I didn't see that. Conf- I, I didn't listen to the conference call. If that's what they're doing, then that's going to be really, really compelling. That's really compelling if they're doing that. So put a star by that, and I'll look at it. So Sabre, you're thinking of Slang Worldwide, right? That's the, ca- the cannabis company, right? What's the symbol on that? Um, Is it like SLNGF or something? Oh, no, it's not. I can't remember what it is, but I, I really liked that idea um, a long time ago. I haven't done any research on it recently, so I, I don't have an answer for you. All right, guys, that's been lots of fun. I appreciate you know all your time spent with me. It looks like we're down to our, our last couple of questions there. Um, oh, I see. I see. Um, all right. Oh, there's the symbol. Okay, let's take a look. S L G W F. Slang worldwide. I used to love this little idea, but again, I, I haven't looked at the balance sheet. I don't know what they've been doing since you know the the you know the cannabis winter hit. So um, I'd have to go take a look at it again. I don't I don't really know. Bleacher, you're welcome. Thanks for joining, everybody. This has been tons of fun, as always. Thank you for sharing, you know, your hour and change with me on a Saturday morning, getting our head right, ready for next week. Look forward to seeing you all again next Saturday. Don't forget to check this YouTube channel. If you're not subscribing, you might want to, because every now and then during the week, I'm going to share with you some of the um, live streams that were Uh, engaged in during the trading session with Armor Insiders. And then later in the day, after hours, I may share it with you guys. So, you know, if you subscribe, you'll get an alert that we're doing that. All right? Everybody, um, I, uh, I wish you all a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>